Driving, spinning, fading, in! 1.1 to go! Oh my goodness, Tyrese Maxey! Daniel Howell fills the lane and fills it up! What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. Um, we're on the verge of football season. I know everyone's super excited, as Sean and I are as well. Um, but we're here to talk a little Sixers basketball as usual. Sean, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. I'm, I'm excited to see the sports calendar starting up again. We have actual Sixers news to talk about on this podcast, which I'm thrilled yeah. that we're not really grasping at straws. We're going to touch on the whole James Harden report from Marina Shelburne. Uh, some stuff from Nick Nurse and the Pat Bev podcast with Roan, which is awesome there, and as well as the Danny Green signing, David Duke Jr. Exhibit 10 deal. So some good stuff yeah. going on. The the world's churning again. Yeah, dude. It's um, you know, summer's kind of coming to a closer. It's still very hot out. Um, so th- that's not gone yet. But you know, summer's kind of coming to an end. We're getting into what you know. I think a lot of us feel is the best time of the year. Um, oh yeah, football starting tonight. Here it's Thursday. Then we got uh, you know. Sixers basketball is right around the corner, man. We got we got a lot of things kind of flowing in. Um, but, you know, as normally happens, the Sixers find themselves in the uh, media circuit again. But, you know, not quite for basketball. We're talking a Ramona Shelburne article comes out um, kind of addressing James Harden and, and, you know, a lot of speculation on what happened with him throughout this season. Um, I know you want to talk about it a bit. You want to pull it up and, and kind of go through what what happened there. Yeah, so I figure a lot of this has been picked up by social media and different, uh, you know, little clips coming out here and there. I figure the best way to kind of drive the conversation is I'm going to spit a couple different uh, segments of the actual report at you. So I'm going to read it in, you know, as dramatic a voice as possible as I can get out <laughs> here, get your reaction. We'll go from here. So I'll pop up the first one, which I think this one made its rounds, but I did want to touch on is quote from Ramona Shelburne here. And by the way, I would like to reference, I feel like I mention this every time that we bring up Ramona, but she is one of the more tapped in national people to the Sixers organization, specifically with a lot of the Joel Embiid news that she's been one of the first to the punch and seems to have a very good relationship. So I do think this was well-written and good insight on her part and really connecting a lot of dots we already know. So in this section here, she writes, quote, the first hint that Harden's, quote, sacrifice wasn't being appreciated, much less rewarded in the way he hoped, came in late January when he wasn't voted to be an all-star. Harden, who had made 10 consecutive all-star games, was dismayed at the snub, sources said. It didn't help that his former Nets teammates, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, had both been voted as starters, voted in as starters by the fans, media, and players, while Harden was a distant fourth among Eastern Car- Eastern Conference guards behind Irving, Donovan Mitchell, and Jalen Brown. Still, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was prepared to name him as an injury replacement, sources said. Harden just had to give assurances that he would show up and play in the game. Days went by without Harden's answer. He was pouting. By the time Harden sent word that he would accept the invitation, Silver had moved on naming Toronto Raptors forward Pascal Siakam as a replacement for an injured Durant. So, James, your reaction here to James Harden basically declining an all-star invitation? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it kind of makes us look bad, to be honest. I was thinking, I talked to my coworker about that today. Honestly, the big thing I took from that portion was like, man, we kind of went to bat for him. Um, He totally fed into it. Yeah, no, I thought, and so like, yeah, that kind of sucks if that's true. Um, it, it seems like just the idea of him thinking like, oh, like Kyrie and KD got voted as all-stars and like I didn't and and having some personal vendetta towards that and, um, you know, the sacrifice being put in quotes, like kind of all of it just like, I don't know, it just is not a good look um, for him and it comes off in a very bad way. Um, and it's just, 
why would he be worried about that kind of stuff is my question. Like, it seemed like there was bigger fish to fry. And to be honest, like, the way he played did show that he was, you know, more into the team aspect of things. Um, but if that's where his mind was, man, it's really disappointing. Yeah, so I'll separate it with I still believe he deserved to be an all-star. And even yeah. for all the negative things that I've said about James Harden and still feel about James Harden when it comes to, like, the sacrifice stuff that I think is so overblown. Like, to me, I just think it's unbelievable how much this sacrifice reputation is being pushed when really the expectation and is what, what is being asked of him is simply to take catch-and-shoot three-pointers, to run a little more pick-and-roll, and just defer to Joel Embiid at times. And there's still, by the way, plenty of moments which the Sixers are more than willing and wanted James Harden, honestly, more than he did at times, to take over and take control. It's not like they're saying, like, don't be involved in the offense. There very much was a significant role for James Harden, the number two role on the team, but that's what it was. And I thought that was Harden's mentality coming to Philadelphia. I thought that he was on board with that. Now, for the actual snub of an all-star, not saying anything, I agree, it makes everyone look bad, especially because at the time, like, I distinctly remember there was Tyrese Maxey going to bat for him on Twitter. George's Niang tweeting out about the snub. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it to eat it too, which seems like the James Harden storyline of what he wants with, with everything. And that's kind of what I'm seeing again here. It's very much like the more and more you read in this article, the more and more you see the ego that I think we all kind of know is there. Yeah, that, that was a shame. And just, you know, it, reading through that, it was just like, it, you hate to see if that's the case. And I think from you know we'll get into his response on his instagram story or whatever um but it felt like to me it kind of feels like that's where that is directed at like him being like a you know fake reporters like what else what was reported that really could have been um you know made up at that point but regardless um you know that just sucks this it just really sucks to see that it, it's because you know we i remember talking about drew holiday and comparing their stats we did it like probably spent like 25 minutes on yeah an episode on it just talking about the ramifications of it and who james is and his legacy and all that kind of stuff so you know it just yeah it just sucks, it sucks to see him kind of react that way if it's true yeah and i do believe this for the record that i don't think ramona is just making this up I, I think that specific that there's too many high ranking people that were acknowledged in that story like adam silver and very clearly yeah. the, the sixers that like i don't think that would be published if that wasn't true by an espn reporter like ramona shelburne i want to jump yeah. to another part here uh, the uh, the bulk of this about Harden not traveling the team was picked up pretty widely, but there's a paragraph before that I wanted to pull because I remember this game specifically. In mid-December, Rivers lit into Harden for taking the final three shots in regulation of a double overtime loss to the young and lottery bound again Rockets, sources said. It wasn't that Rivers didn't trust Harden to take the final three shots. He had allowed him to run the offense and call his own number on the final play of regulation by not calling a timeout following a defensive rebound. It's that the Rockets had no answer for Embiid, 39 points, all night, and Harden wasn't shooting well, 4 for 19. When questioned in film session, Harden demurred, saying that he just couldn't get the ball to Embiid, sources said. These flare-ups between Harden and Rivers continued throughout the season. Now you skim down a couple more paragraphs, which kind of gives some context to the, the time they were at in the season. And then it says, for a team with championship aspirations, it was a good moment to refocus, especially with the next game being a rematch in Miami two days later. But Harden didn't travel with the team to Miami, sources said. He traveled separately with permission from the front office to enjoy the nightlife. This is not uncommon in the NBA or for Harden, but it didn't sit well with Rivers and several players on the team, sources said. Days later, Rivers brought it up in a team meeting, sources said, specifically mentioning several of the players who expressed concerns about Harden's action. The whole episode was, quote, uncomfortable, one team source said, even if they agreed with the substance of Rivers' message to Harden 
and the idea of holding him accountable. It was awkward for the players who were named. So, James, thoughts on that whole saga there? <laughs> yeah, that's also very brutal. Um, can we, in, for a second, kind of assume that the, the source here is Doc? Like, it seems like <laughs> this would be coming directly from him. Who's a coworker? Who of- is a coworker now? Yeah. That's like my first thought is a lot's coming out about Harden, um, you know, just mere weeks after Doc Rivers becomes a full time employee for. Um, ESPN regardless um, yeah that's a terrible look again if that's the case and, and he was spending time partying and that's you know that's kind of part of who he is right like yeah you kind of expect that it's what you take um, you take the good with that and he's kind of been doing that his whole career and I'm sure like he took Tucker and and Maxie and those guys ended up spending a couple of nights with him so there's definitely some good that came from it but in the middle of a season again with like the focus being anywhere else but the team you know he is a human he, you know you can take breaks and do what you got to do and i know a lot of guys do that but um you know if it seems like where it's described a turning point in the season or maybe a low point in the season for the sixers to know that he was out and about and then deflecting and when other teammates brought it up him kind of deflecting like that's just it sucks to, again the way the season ends up um it sucks to know that that was the priority yeah, I mean, I'll start with, I think for the most part, a lot of the partying stuff is overblown with Harden. Yeah. That I think he he has the reputation more than he kind of backs it up as far as going out. The context in this situation specifically for sure matters. I do believe this game in Miami that neither Harden nor Embiid played in, which to me is a little bit more of like a, I guess I'm all right with it. But if it is at a stretch in the season, which it seems to be where the team felt like they needed to be together. And these kind of feelings that are way more important for how they feel within the locker room than what any of our opinions are that, whatever Doc Rivers thinks that if it was a bad look that the team needed. And I do want to go out on a limb a little bit here. I will not be sticking up for Doc Rivers for any of the tactical on-court stuff, the X's and O's, the playtime, the lack of young guys. There's plenty to nitpick about him as a coach. But one thing that I respect about Doc Rivers a ton is the way that he does hold guys accountable while playing the other side to the media. And this goes back to the Ben Simmons conversation and the same thing with James Harden. Like another situation, which I'm going to assume had similar feelings by Doc Rivers when he went to Vegas during the playoffs. I, Based on this context, I have to assume that Doc Rivers was not okay with that, and there likely were words there. For Doc Rivers to then stand up to the media and just say, like, no, I was aware, I was cool with it, no big deal, that's James, this is overblown, I think is an awesome thing. I think it's a great thing for him to be hard on guys, to address them properly in front of the team, in a team setting, in a way that it's appropriate, and then kind of still stick up with the media. He did a ton of that with Ben Simmons, where he would – they very clearly did not get along uh, Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers. And every single negative question that was asked about Ben Simmons, every single answer was, look at all the great things that he does, all the other ways he impacts the game, all these things. So I will give Doc the credit there. Um, and I am happy that he at least tried to rein James Harden in. And it also did very much make clear in this article the the perception that, once again, stuff we kind of already knew, that James Harden was a reason why Doc Rivers was fired, that it was very clear that James had no interest in coming back for Doc Rivers. I think you can make the argument by far in itself that there was no reason to bring Doc Rivers back, but it did put that set in stone in writing as well. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of, and again, uh, something noted in there as well, like approved by the front office. Like, right. Is Maury, like, again, was this kind of a two-way battle of like Harden and Maury and like putting Maxi and Embiid kind of in the middle and then Doc and the field versus, you know, th- that set. Like, it kind of feels like it's playing out that way. And, you know, maybe that's a dramatic way to put it. It probably is. But Maury clearly was, you know, giving him that leash, giving him the freedom. I don't want to put it that way. Giving him the freedom to 
be himself. And again, he, for what James Harden was last year, like he's very good. He had some great playoff performances. Like that comes with who James Harden is. But if it became a problem within the locker room and, and guys, you know, took exception to that, I think it's, you know, right for him to have addressed it. And, you know, maybe Harden should have been, you know, the bigger person in the situation. And, and, you know, maybe he that's what ended up happening. But I don't know, man. It's just like not the stuff you want to hear. Yeah, Yeah, it's not this with the way like the last season ended and the year before, you know, and the year before that. But specifically the last two seasons and hoping that he was going to be a different player or, you know, a different version of himself coming into this, uh, you know, this upcoming season. And knowing that maybe his priorities were not in the right place that, you know, it just it hurts as a fan to know that like we were invested and, you know, it didn't seem like he was as much. Yeah. And I want to jump to the context on the contract, which is the situation that we all kind of saw unfold. And I think everyone was a little caught off guard by it touches on some of the the money that he's passed up on, which I think is relevant. I sent a tweet out about this, which set the Harden stands coming after me on that about all the, the max contracts that he's passed up in both Houston and Brooklyn. Uh, which just an all-time bag fumble by James Harden. He's obviously not a guy hurting for money by any means, but I do think this does come into play when we talk about the hurt feelings here. But Shelburne writes in this section, uh, better to take the guaranteed money for the 23-24 season than to be forced to accept whatever offer the team made. The Sixers were stunned at Harden's decision, sources said, insisting to him and his representatives that they had been distant only because they were hit with the largest tampering fine in NBA history and that they had every intention of re-signing him as soon as the rules allowed but Harden was already too far gone. Quote, James takes things very personally. Another source close to Harden said, when he feels like he's been wronged, he can be very stubborn. And that is where we're at at this point, that we are still in that situation. He feels like he was wrong. And it also has been made very clear that this is not a James Harden versus the Sixers situation, not a James Harden versus Nick Nurse versus Joel Embiid. It is James Harden versus Daryl Morey that is the root of the issue. So I, I think no surprises on there, but this is the first time that we've really seen it like spelled out and put clearly like that. Yeah, um, we're getting a lot of the the juice here, a lot of what people want to hear. And yeah. um, I think, you know, I, it always makes me curious who lets these kind of things out there, um, just because I wonder what the there's a leak from somebody somewhere um, and it's strategic. It always is. So is this a Sixers side? Like what what is, um, you know, the root of this? But yeah, I mean, I think maybe there's some validity that um, the Sixers were using the tampering thing as an excuse to not talk to Harden. Like maybe that, you know, it seems like that maybe was again, a strategic play from Harden or I'm sorry, from Maury in the front office. And um, you know, maybe that's, that was the case and they don't really want to bring Harden back, you know, long-term they obviously didn't. And they wanted him to get say, you know, go see the market and see that you're not worth what you think you are. And then come back to us. and We'll make a deal happen. That probably is where it's coming from, but um, you can't blame them for that. I think it's a smart thing to do. I think we've all been on the same page with that. Um, while it creates an uncomfortable situation for everyone involved, you know, sometimes the only way to go get around things is to go through them. So mm-hmm. maybe they're just kind of going through it. And Harden now knows that while they're playing a lot, clearly a lot of hardball um, between the two here, there's a lot of posturing. Yeah. And just the last little segment that I want to bring up here, and then we can switch gears to a little more positive on these Sixers. <laughs> but um, this was actually from the first uh, first little section of the Shelburne article, but I thought this was best to bring in last. And I think this really puts it into perspective. So it lays out the situation of a game the Sixers win against the Clippers, where Embiid had a great game, Harden played terrible, and Harden was in a great mood after the game. From Shelburne, quote, Back in the arena, Harden continues, quote, obviously I'm capable of scoring more, he says, making eye contact to emphasize his point. 
but I'm playing the right way, just doing whatever is necessary to win. That's what it's all about. The Sixers won the game because the Clippers had no answer for Embiid, who finished with 41 points in 33 minutes, and after the game credited Harden for, quote, making it easy for him. In terms of momentum and messaging from Philadelphia's two superstars, any two superstars really, this is as good as it gets. Both players talking about how they appreciated each other. One, after a dominant performance, recognized the other's role in making it so. But the line between positive self-talk and talking yourself that, talking yourself into something is a fine one. Harden teetered on it all season. So that's the biggest part that I just wanted to bring on. And I think that is straight up on the money. That all this talk about sacrifice, all this James Harden, that this is my year to, to lay into winning, do whatever. It was so much more about him trying to convince himself of that than that ever actually being the situation. And it is crystal clear after all this contract stuff and all the what we now know about James Harden and what we really always should have known about James Harden is he's always going to be a me first guy. And that is the mentality. And despite the best efforts of himself to turn a page in that, that I guess, book of his career and move on, he just can't do it. And that's kind of what we're de- dealing with. And I don't really know if there's a way to fix that within him. Yeah, I think um, so. I like always I will always try to see it from, you know, the other perspective just because there is another one. So there's another reality that we're talking about. So like with Harden, you know, in his mind, maybe he was saying like, hey, everyone always talks about how selfish I am and how we couldn't win a championship doing it that way. Or, you know, X, Y and Z, what was said about the Rockets and him specifically. And, you know, his idea was then, hey, I'm going to go play with more, you know, more superstars. I'm going to go do that and I'm going to play a different way just to prove everyone that I can. Right. That like I can do this and to to everyone's not I don't think everyone was surprised to see this, but he is a very, very talented basketball player in a lot of the aspects of the game. He's a a genius passer. When he wants to score, he can't like all of that is true. And it almost worked against him because it was like, look, look how good I am when I'm only trying to do this. And now he's to the point where he's like, listen, we didn't win with me doing this. Uh, I might as well go back to doing what i want to do and but you didn't win like that either and now you're way older you're what's, way what's more time. fun that's fair but that also <laughs> it takes two to tango and of course. it was a very unique situation where daryl morey daryl morey was like praised for his innovation for this style of play that it was a perfect marriage based on this unique style that daryl morey wanted to buy into which was an increased volume in three-point shots increased isolation attempts having a guy like james harden to run the show and a perfect match for Maury wanting that and James Harden being able to deliver. I don't see a single NBA team that would buy into that based on how that went. Because, by the way, they never won a championship in Houston either. So, like, to try that and run it back with a guy who isn't as good as he once was, it doesn't make any sense for anybody. So, like, I guess I can squint and try and see it from his perspective. But you also got to be real with the situation and be like, like, what's next for me? The best case for James Harden would be to actually turn the page to be willing to be a backseat guy, not a backseat guy. That's a little more dismissive than I mean it, but a guy that's not the main star of the team. I thought he was there. I thought he was willing. I thought that's why he wanted to go to broken, why he wanted to come to Philadelphia, but I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. And I mean, you know, his eyes are on LA. So, you know, that's home first of all. And second of all, it's like, yeah, he's playing along two other stars, um, you know, that need time off. They all of they they miss games every year. I mean, not that Embiid doesn't, obviously. Um, but you're also like having a guy like Embiid, like a dominant offensive big man, is one like incredibly unique uh in the NBA right now. And two, it can sh- it completely shifts what Harden does as a player. Like there's for the sure. opportunity for him to be the old version of himself is almost completely gone. So like maybe he envisions that okay, I can get back to a little bit of what I do while also being a facilitator. Like 
I'm trying to bend it and mold it the best I can to, to, you know, hold on to some respect and dignity from him. And, you know, maybe things are, are shifting in a certain way. Um, but yeah, this is a really bad look for him. Um, he did respond on his Instagram story, basically saying it's all fake or not all fake, but saying with these reporters, like I should start, um, you know, making the reports myself. So, you know, basically calling cap on all of this. What what were your thoughts just with that? Yeah, and I, I'll pull up the post right here. So yeah. this was on James Harden's IG story saying, y'all got to chill with these reports. I'm going to start reporting shit. To that, I say, James Harden, do it. Like, let's see it. Yeah. What, what yeah. you got in the no, tank, man? Well, lay it all out. <laughs> yeah, fight back. Put it on the table. What do you got to lose? Yeah, no, uh, the ball is in his court. Like, it's time for him. <laughs> like, he's done this before. Uh, he st- Honestly, he started it. So, yeah. um, you know, we can... We'll wait. I mean, I'm sure by next week we'll have something else to talk about, or maybe a couple weeks from now, um, with training camp on the way. Like we're we're talking about training camp starting soon this month. So let's move on to another portion of training camp, which is bringing in more bodies. Uh, one of them being a familiar face, Danny Green signs a one year non guaranteed. From what I understand, yes, non guaranteed. So I do. Th- I honestly think the non guarantee on that is probably like if he gets to training camp and it hurts and his body can't do it that maybe he just joins one of the other like 95 assistant coaches on the six year staff. Yeah. I think that's kind of how things are going to be set up for there. Um, I'll, I'll flip it back to you in a second, but I just, I'm okay with it. I don't mind it. I don't think it makes the Sixers much better, but I do like Danny green quite a bit. He's a guy that I like having around the organization friend of Joel Embiid won a championship with Toronto. He's got three rings as we're well aware. So I'm okay with it. I is, I guess my official, uh, analysis of this what do you think james yeah yeah i i mean like it, it's nothing but like a vibes like we we talked about bringing justin anderson back um for things like this like danny green is a good dude always has the guys in that locker room back he'll make um, threes you know, he'll make three i mean i don't really expect him to play like at all like honestly i, I don't really think he's going to be the 14th guy on the bench so like when it you know if he's getting minutes like over furcon like you know there's going to be things like that regardless regardless um it's a, it's a vibe higher like he's close with maxi he's close with joel he's close with tobias he played and was really important on a nick nurse championship team like i'm here for it it's it's doesn't move the needle one way or another but like it's more good than it is bad especially at being guaranteed non-guaranteed and God forbid something happens and they need to get out of that contract. They can do that. Um, and I think he's a good guy to have around, especially in a transition period. Like he's another adult voice. There you go. The, the, I love that. Yeah. We got Tyrese Maxey showing a little love with just a Danny green, green, green. And then uh, <laughs> Tobias also shared a little something on his, uh, his Instagram as well. So it is a good vibes higher. Um, yeah. I don't have very high expectations for him on the court. He really didn't play much with either the Cavs or the Grizzlies, which were his two la- last two spots. He's definitely past the point where he's a regular rotation piece, but he is a guy that I do kind of trust. We have far too many of kind of like the past their prime guys that I guess is my biggest anti. Like when you look at the Patrick Beverly, which again, I love Pat Bev and we're about to talk about him, but also not a guy that I think is in his prime of logging minutes. PJ Tucker, similar situation there. There's a lot of old guys on this team. So I, it's not the best from that angle. We can see the group aging, but I do like Danny Green as both a human being and as a player. I do think that there will be a couple moments throughout the season where all of a sudden it's Danny Green time and we have to play him. And I do trust him to let it rip when he has the baseline cut, maybe. Yeah, baseline cut and spot up shoot, spot up three pointer, just the little wrist flick that he does all the time. That's that's what I expect from Danny Green. Yeah, running like looking old as anything, but overall, 
I'll take it. I'll also throw a quick acknowledgement to David Duke Jr. on an Exhibit 10 deal. I like that a lot. I can't believe David Duke Jr. is getting an Exhibit 10 deal. He actually yeah. logged some minutes for the Brooklyn Nets over the past two years. I uh, got some MVP votes for the G League MVP. Six foot five guard. Does a little funky stuff. He's fun. He's athletic. Uh, yeah. Not a great shooter. That's probably the biggest downside on him. But he does defend pretty hard. He was fun to watch at Providence for three seasons too. Any thoughts on David Duke Jr.? Yeah, man. I mean, like again, stack these guys up. Uh, he yeah. can play. He can run. He's a he's a good guy to have in training camp, and you know, it's a chance for him to prove himself worthy of a roster spot here. And um, you know, for what we're all expecting is there, there's going to be some shakeup at some point. So it's never bad to stack some talent in there. Um, and he's a guy that does a lot of things the Sixers don't have. He's you know going to be aggressive. He's going to, you know, big, bigger guard on the bigger side of guards um, and athlete can get up and down. Um, and I think he's a guy that just kind of fits in. So um, I like it. I mean, again, it's an exhibit 10 deal. You can only get so excited about those guys. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, I think it's a good guy to have around. Yeah, totally. And it's that kind of pathway that they're establishing that of like just having young athletes and young talents in the the next like step in their progression that you have guys that are up and coming that you're building getting better things like that it feels like they're starting to establish that with the similar concept to a guy like ricky council the fourth or terquavion smith terquavion i hold in a higher light than most of these guys i think he's legitimately going to be a playable rotation piece maybe this year so i i hold him in a, a far i guess higher light there but that whole principle of just kind of establishing that pathway is a big deal and something that i think that i'm, I'm happy to see being established now, uh, we do want to touch on another concept here. Nick Nurse did hop onto the Pat Bev podcast with Roan, a Barstool Sports podcast there. I love that podcast, by the way. Both Roan and Pat Bev are awesome on it, and I do would recommend people checking it out. It's cool to get a little window into who Pat Bev is. He's a guy that's, like, impossible not to like, to be honest. The more that you get, like, a whiff of his personality, kind of the, the cooler it is. But I have three clips that I want to play from that and get your takes on it. The first one I thought was interesting, James. Um here we got uh, sharing the screen here. So I'm going to play this one. And uh, this is about Nick Nurse basically admitting that he passed up uh, money to come to Philadelphia. When you was it hard? Obviously, you know, you hear through the grapevine, this story, this story, this team wanted you this summer, this team yeah. wanted you. You turned down a lot of money. Maybe turned down a lot of money. I heard, <laughs> I heard through the grapevine. Maybe. What was your decision oh, yeah. from picking Philly? Just thought that the fit was right with me. Uh, loved the ownership. Loved uh, my connection with Daryl Morey, the president. Obviously, he was he was in Houston when I was coaching Rio Grande. Um, just heard nothing but good things about about Josh and David, the owners. Um, and obviously, coached against him a lot. And I think it's a good team, mm. a very good team, and and some awesome pieces here. So, here we are. So yeah, that uh that little maybe there was pretty telling, I think. So James, your thoughts on that? That uh Nick Nurse taking a pay cut to come to Philadelphia. I mean, you love to hear it. First of all, um, I think listening to this podcast, um, if you haven't, I really recommend it. They like very very likable dude, Nick Nurse. Um, and so I mean, the assumption is that was probably the Grizzlies, right? Like, I I he, think Detroit. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Pistons. Detroit. I meant I meant the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Pistons handed Monty Williams a six year. $78.5 million deal, which is $13 million on average for a coach. That is nuts money for an NBA yeah. head coach. So I, I, I would assume that was the offer. Something yeah, like that. And so he chose a team that's in contention, um, that's ready to win now with, you know, and he mentioned, I think the biggest thing that, um, like, confused, not confused me, but made me perk up for a second was how talking about how much he loved the ownership um just something you don't hear all the time but Maury has praised them as well i know harris and, and hbse gets a lot of 
um, you know, negative connotation around them um, for right or for wrong. But it was interesting to hear him shout out the ownership there. And, um, you know, I think Joel and, and Tyrese Maxey, it's an, you know, an attractive unit there to start. Um, and you got some other things happening on this roster as well that I think, um, you know, I'm excited for for him and, and the other things that I know we're going to talk about. But um, it was interesting to hear him. You know, it made me like him a lot hearing that. Yeah, I think Nick Nurse did not realize how much he was stepping in coming to Philadelphia as far as basically the mess beyond those intriguing talents that you brought up. Because you do look at the Joel Embiid's, the Tyrese Max, pretty much those two only are, as Paul like Reed. the guys. Paul Reed, yeah, and we're going to touch on him for sure. That's one of the clips I have as well. Uh, but um, you do look at those guys and you want to coach them. You can bring out more of them that they're very intriguing things. I think Joel Embiid specifically. Having a guy like Embiid, I think Nurse is like itching to get his hands on, get working with. He talked a lot about him from a dis- defensive perspective. I'm about to play a clip uh, in a second of kind of his thoughts on what he sees a role for Embiid. Uh, did, they talked a lot about in the podcast comparing to what they did with Marc Gasol in Toronto as far as making him a passer, having guys cut off him. These, This is all like music to my ears and stuff that I, I can't wait to see. <laughs> um but yeah, I think that there was a lot going on behind the scenes that Nurse might not has been might not have been fully aware of. But this is a relationship business that I think those kind of things, those connections do matter, and we see that coming to play here. I'm very happy that he's in Philadelphia. I hope that the Sixers are able to put an adequate roster for him to work with. But I, this interview really did get me excited about Nick Nurse taking over the Sixers team. Yeah, man, I think that was the big thing, and um, that's why I'm recommending it um, so much is because I felt like. You know, through it all, he's a guy that is going to have a longer lens. Like, this is his career. Like, he sees this as a long-term spot, obviously, um, or else he wouldn't have made the decision to come here. Um, and I think that his – the way he makes you feel when he's talking about the team and talking about basketball, um, it makes you feel a little bit better about the situation that once this is over, like, I really do think that they're stepping into a, a much brighter chapter – of at least the way they play the game of basketball. Like, obviously we can't tell the results what they might be um, in the playoffs and whatever, but he's going to be like directly opposite of what Doc Rivers was as a coach. Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to play this clip here of uh, his thoughts on the role for Joel Embiid. And by the way, shout out to Roan for bringing the heat with these questions. So it it was kind of funny the flow of it. It felt like Pat Bev kept trying to kind of shift things away from the Sixers and Roan kept bringing it right back, which I do appreciate. But, uh, this question here is about kind of the the role of what he sees with Joel Embiid, and I'll give you Nick Nurse's thoughts. So then when you look at Embiid being the centerpiece of this team, yep. what ways do you think that he can kind of blossom under you? First and foremost, I hate, hate to be boring and start at the defensive end, but I'm going to really expect a lot Doesn't of bore me, brother. rim protecting him. <laughs> you take more swings at block shots. Mm. To swap you want to block more right? shots, you got to swing more. Right? You got to swing <laughs> yeah. some more ball. So, so that'd, be, that'd be the first thing. He continues to develop and be creative on offense. I would imagine you're going to see him doing about a little bit of everything, bringing it up the floor, running screen and rolls, DHOs, down screens, cross screens, back it. screens, whatever, whatever. They're going to have to defend everything with him. And So then when you look at and- – So, James, I'll get your, your thoughts on this one. For me, real quick, I'm just – thrilled to just hear all these different things like we're we're not talking about just you know give it to Joel Embiid and play ISO offense so I'm thrilled by this what's your reaction to that clip yeah man that's what I think that was the big thing that made me like really get excited for next season um this is going to be a unit that is obviously centered around Joel Embiid and and he's going to be um the sun in a heliocentric offense oh yeah but you got to know that like it's going to have to be different than it what it used to be right like 
props to Joel for, and, and, you know, even for doc again, like you can't say it slowed him down, obviously, like he became a, an absolute beast offensively um, scoring wise. But I think the idea for this is keep that scoring going. But when, when they give you lemons, you got to make lemonade. So instead of forcing things and, you know, doing what he sometimes got caught up doing, it's, it's going to be a lot different and he's going to get the ball in different ways. And, you know, he's already impossible to guard. Now let's add a, you know, a couple more layers to his offense and see what you can do then. And he's a guy that's thrown everything in the kitchen sink at Joel from a defensive perspective. So I love his point of view of how to make it work even better. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think as far as the defensive stuff, I think swings is the wrong word that for me, I kind of picture that as like and be diving out of control. And taking this. That's not necessarily what I want, but I do buy into like him being more of an anchor defensively and that being more of the focus and more of his responsibility because we know we can do it. We know he can do it. We've seen it in spurts, but it does. There is the give and take of when he is asked to be the number two player as far as usage percentage goes in the NBA. Of over a season that it kind of you don't see the defense all the time that what he's asked to do so much offensively it's tough to put more on his plate on the defensive side of things that's what i want to see this season as i, I want to see a little taken off his plate offensively whether that means him simply being a screener being a guy doing dho's doing handoffs things like that and not as go create your own shot and then defensively let's see what this guy can truly do one of the goals that joel Embiid set from himself when he first came in the nba is that he uh wanted to be like a defensive player of the year. He very clearly said DPOY is one of my goals. Let's see it, man. Let's see what that looks yeah. like. Instead of the MVP, we got that in the bag now. What's a, a laser-focused Joel Embiid defensive year look like? And I think we might see that this year. Yeah, and like one one big thing that, um, you know, obviously there's no, there's no comparison um, for these guys, but when you think about when the greats started turning to like winning, right? Like Michael Jordan, when you think about his career, was like he was so good that he was the entire offense and wasn't playing team basketball and then he figured it out hey we got to switch the focus and he became even more of a beast just all around and when you think about Joel it's like he spent these last few years being everything being the engine that ran their offense instead of being a product of a really good offense and if he's a part a, a cog in the machine of an offense of a good structured offense he might like elevate even more and just be more efficient and being that way rather than just throwing dumping the ball to him and making him work like i feel like the entire unit elevates a bit more um and you know that's what we're all kind of hoping for because we we've seen joel do everything and he's amazing at it but you know changing the the focus a little bit i think could really help this team yeah and the last clip here that i want to play and Probably the one that got me the most excited yeah. out of anything. I know you like this one. Probably number one. I would consider myself the number one in the Paul Reed fan club here. Kind of uh, uh, similar. But then you look at a guy that the Sixers just re-signed this summer, Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul. This is a guy whose body type you're familiar with. You've had these like six, nine guys with these kind of uh, uh, similar body type, similar game. How, how do you think that? Philadelphia 76ers fans can expect you to deploy him this year. What do you see in him? Does he play with Embiid? What's his future mm -hmm. with this team? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I love him. Plays hard. Got an incredible nose for the basketball. Like, I got a lot of time for guys that can go get the ball. Yeah. Right? The ball's pretty important yeah, in yeah. the game, right? And he really can go get it. And and even when he doesn't, he just misses it about, you know, 25 times a game where you think he's going to get it. Take his swings at. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and he's had a great summer. I mean, amazing. He's he's really worked from the moment I 
I got the job. He got in the, the, the shooting program and he's been on it. Um, he's in shape. Will he play with Embiid for sure? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's, uh, that's, uh, a question. Like I just, man, he's going to, he's going to be out there playing hard. He's going to be defending. He's going to be, um, doing probably more than he's done before. I think he's ready to take a step up and he can play. Love that. Yeah. James, did you hear that? Did you Enjoy. hear that right there? <laughs> that he said about Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul, quote, will he play with Embiid? For sure. Like, I don't think that's a question. Yeah. He's going to be probably doing more than he's done before. That is music to my ears there, that Nick Nurse is going to be the guy to unleash B-Ball Paul. And I think there's a legitimate chance that Paul Reed could end up the starting power forward on this team. I was going to say that was my first thought was I, I think opening night, he's the the starting power forward on this team. Um, I will say again, I know you mentioned it earlier, like framing that question the way he did, like digging that deep, like him knowing the Sixers and being a fan obviously really helps. Uh, but just he good interview. He set up a lot for Nick nurse to give us a lot. Um, and hearing that, you know, I got a lot of time for guys like that and, you know, he's willing to let him develop and do some things like I'm, I'm super pumped for Paul um, because one, he deserves it. I think like we've been clamoring for this and and I think a lot of the city has been a, a huge fan of him since, you know, he even got some minutes to start a couple of seasons ago. And, um, you know, maybe he's a, a diamond in the rough, like he, and really think that he could be and flourish under Nick nurse. And, um, you know, guys like that make a huge difference when you're looking at, payroll and and the way a team is built and if you can have a guy like that really contribute um like i think paul reed is going to be able to do and and open up a lot of offense along with his fantastic defense and you know let him play through some mistakes and i think he's the perfect i don't, I don't want to say perfect but i think he's a really really good fit alongside joel like we've been kind of hinting at that idea for a little bit but i really love the way that i think that they're going to control that front court yeah, totally. I am could not be more all in on this. And one of the things that me and you have talked about on here, like allowing Paul Reed to be a dirty work guy alongside Joel Embiid is perfect because we've seen, as we kind of mentioned with how much is put on his plate, that you don't want Joel Embiid to be the guy diving for loose balls and doing all this like th that is Paul Reed. That's what he's there for. That's what he's good at. And that's what he cannot wait to do. Like you see the excitement yeah. in his face. So like I'm thrilled with it. It's also very cool to see the work that he's putting in the shape he's in. Paul Reed very much is one of the hardest workers on this team and really has not taken any time off this summer that from just following around on social media with him, that he's constantly in the gym, playing at different programs, working with different trainers. And that's what you want out of these kind of guys of, of making sure that they are perfecting their craft, working hard to get better. And he's getting rewarded for it. That way he got the new contract. He is out the mud officially start the victory tour. I want it all. So <laughs> I am thrilled. And then the other side of things is, as the James Harden divide continues to be here, and we still don't really know how that story is going to end. PJ Tucker has very clearly made his alliance in the, the James Harden camp over the Daryl Morey slash six years side of things. So if there is a trade, it would not be a surprise to me at all. If PJ Tucker is a part of it and he's attached to Harden on uh, whatever deal ends up eventually happening. And that paves the way even further for Paul Reed to be the guy for the Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm thrilled for him. I'm, I'm super excited for, um, you know, to see him under Nick Nurse, I think like, and and in my mind, I start going down like what the offensive path looks like at that point and, and kind of pivoting from what we talked about last time and combining the two, right? Like Embiid's going to be, have a different role in the offense and having another guy like Paul out there that can really do the, play the pick and roll really well and roll and short roll. And, you know, maybe he starts to 
have a decision-making role in the offense on, you know, the short rolls and swinging the ball and dumping it down to Joel, like making just another layer to an offense. Like that gives you an entirely different side of the playbook um, to play around with. And, and something I, I noted with, with nurse and one of the big things that made me, you know, start to like the interview so much was um, they asked him about what the different things he's going to do. And he's like, we're going to try everything. And yeah. if it doesn't work, we don't care. Um, but if it does, like we put it in the toolbox for the playoffs. So they're going to do, you know, an ungodly amount of different things throughout, throughout the regular season. And if they work, they'll stick and they'll use them when they need to. Like that is just, you know, it's such a relief to hear from a head coach. And I'm, I'm just putting this out here as well as I know spacing is the name of the game when it comes <laughs> to uh, surrounding Joel Embiid. B-Ball Paul, career 40% three-point shooter in the G League. Uh, in 2021-2022, he shot 44.4% on 4.3 three-point attempts per game. And then in 2021, or I'm sorry, 43.6% in 2021-22, and then 44% in 2020-2021, both on 3.6 attempts and 4.4 attempts per game. So a pretty legitimate sample size. And look at that, put him yeah. on the floor, doing it all. Um, but really all he has to do is just hit open three pointers that I'm not asking him to be this self creator, whatever. If he can just knock down a couple open three pointers with that, you know, gorgeous form right there, <laughs> not perfect. Um, but that's all I want to see out of him is him doing those yeah. things, having, getting those opportunities. And he absolutely will get them, especially if he's unproven and finding his way. The rim is the same size, the same distance. The ball is the same weight that if you can do it in the G league, and we're talking about G league MVP, Paul Reed, by the way, I think that goes, under the radar too often yeah. if he can do it in the g league why can't he do it in the nba and he has yeah. not been afraid of the moment he's had his best moments with the sixers in the playoffs so i do think paul reed can step up and i'm very excited that nick nurse is kind of buying into it as well yeah and it seems like no question like we're not even talking yeah. about that right now like it's not is he going to play with joel it, it's how what are we going to do to optimize both those guys. And and he mentioned right away, he's been in the shooting program this summer. Um, so he's still working on it, man. And I, he's a guy that, you know, when, when the results show the work that he's put in just, you know, over the last, what, two years, three years, you trust it. You trust that he's going to make another leap. I don't expect him to be an all-star, right? But if he's a guy that can really contribute and, you know, his attributes are important to winning, he's a guy that if he does improve in certain areas and, and makes himself a little bit better here and there, Looking at a really nice player to fit in this in this lineup. Yeah, for sure. And I do think Paul Reed had to be one of the conversations had behind the scenes, especially as Nurse was coming on, and especially as there was the free agent decision to make with Reed. That it was, the questions were like, how much are you going to use this guy? How much do you like having him in the program? Is this the type of player we want to build around? And all those things ended up was the result of Paul Reed, his deal being matched, and him returning to Philadelphia, which to me yeah. is an awesome sign all around. So I am very happy to see a coach buying into Paul Reed after – our previous coach seemed so destined to just keep him in the mud and keep him out of things. So shout out to Paul Reed. We've all stuck with him. To wrap yeah. things up here, James, I just want to one more comment. If you were speaking to James Arden directly right now, what's your quick one minute speech of what are you telling him? I mean, I want to know everything first. Just tell me your side of the story. Um, the and yeah, spill the beans. And, you know, if you want to make this happen, if you want to get traded, like make it easier on us, man. Um, you know, we're, okay seeing you go we wish we wish you the best at least i do um wish him the best go you know do your thing elsewhere but make everyone's life a little bit easier open up the list give us who you would want to go to at least lie a little bit and give us a little bit of leverage here uh we, we'd like to see the end of this shake hands and see you later hopefully you and daryl morey can reconnect at some point <laughs> but like 
if the if the road is ended here, you know, make our lives a little bit easier. That was pretty nice. I'll give you I'll give you props on that one. I think we Thank can wrap you. that up here. I don't think I have anything to top that with that. But um, yeah, we still don't know how it's going to end. There's still plenty more of the James Harden saga to unfold. Uh, at least we had some good news, some real Sixers news yeah. to break down today with the Danny Green signing, with the James Harden reports, and all the Nick Nurse quotes. So shout out to all the, the platforms that have provided us with that, with ESPN, with the Pat Bev podcast, with Rome. Make sure to subscribe. Pat Bev will make sure you know if you watch it all. Uh, but appreciate you guys for tuning into this one. Drop a subscribe on this as well. Drop a like on this video. Drop me a couple comments. I want to hear your Paul Reed stat prediction for this year. So let me hear that. Hit me with them, and we will talk with you next time. Peace.